time. It's time for the latest buzz on pets from around the corner, down the block, and across the world with award-winning journalist, author, speaker, educator, and host, Arden Moore. Arden has twice been named by Oprah Winfrey as one of her top three pet hosts. And just this past year, the Cat Writers Association awarded Arden the coveted President's Award, given exclusively to the best of the best. Arden is driven to live her motto, bringing out the best in pets and their people. So snuggle up with your favorite fur baby, because it's time for another episode of Arden Moore's Four-Legged Life. What's up, pet pals? Welcome to Arden Moore's Four-Legged Life Show. I'm your host, Arden Moore. Pain can be a real hmm, pain, not only to us, but also to our dogs. So can stress and anxiety. Fortunately, our special guests today are the go-to experts on managing pain and alleviating stress to our four-leggers. First up, she's dedicated her life's mission to manage and alleviate pain in our pets. She is the hospital director at Windsor Veterinary Center and founder of the Downing Center for Animal Pain Management in Windsor, Colorado. Oh, and yeah, she was named the Leo K. Bustad Companion Animal Veterinarian of the Year in 2020. Please welcome to our show, Dr. Robin Downing. I am so jazzed you're on our show, Dr. Robin. Well, good morning, Arden, and thank you so much for inviting me. I'm just delighted to speak with you and to uh, have a chance to talk about my very favorite topic, animal pain. Yeah, well, I was going to say that pain is a four-letter word, uh, and uh, we're going to step back. We're going to be in a time capsule with you, okay? So pop in 30 years ago. You're a barely out of diapers veterinarian. See what I'm doing here? Making you younger than you are. And pain management wasn't really on the radar, would you say, in, in, in the world of, of managing pets? I mean, I remember when I was the editor at Catnip at Tufts University, there were some veterinarians that didn't think cats could feel pain. And I'm not that old, but, well, I am old. But let's go back. So 30 years ago, you learned a lot in veterinary medicine, but I don't think this, the topic of pain management was as pronounced as it is now. I really feel like this historical context is really important. So when I was, I love telling this story because it, it really, really illustrates what kind of transformation has happened in veterinary medicine. So in my second semester of my second year of veterinary school, okay. I was in the lecture hall and the head of surgery at the University of Illinois College of Veterinary Medicine came in to lecture to my class. And he actually told us in a lecture that we should not relieve all the pain from our post-operative patients because they would move around and hurt themselves. And even as a student, that just didn't make intuitive sense to me. But what did I know? I was just a veterinary student. And so in 1986, when I graduated, I moved to North Central Wyoming, and I actually founded up a house call practice. It was the okay. first companion animal-oriented practice in that part of the state. I was the first female practitioner in Ooh. that part of the state. I was the only female practitioner for 100 miles in any direction. <laughs> and I, I served um, 10 communities, and I drove 3,200 miles a month, bringing quality companion animal care into people's homes. 
And I had two years in my practice, a little red healer who came to me with a bowel obstruction and she was so, so miserable. And I knew that she would die from her pain if we did not deal with that. So I was very fortunate that I had a human general surgeon as a client and I called him on the phone. It was like, who wants to be a millionaire calling your life? (laughs) And so I, I asked Vern if he would like talk to me and to his credit, he never once said, what kind of a doctor are you? How come you don't know this? But he did start out by saying, and you never heard of morphine. And it went from there. And that little girl survived. It Yay. was that. It She's was in that doggy dog. heaven going, there's Dr. Robin yeah. on the show talking about me. <laughs> so there's that dog, her sibling, two brothers, and 25,000 sheep. And she was back at work in 10 days. I was going to so say no sheep, but sheep. It's 25,000 sheep. It was wow. amazing. Wow. And so you know, she, she really changed my, she changed my paradigm. She changed wow. my practice and she actually changed the trajectory of my career. Isn't that amazing? Cause we think we're going to script our career. We're going to get married at X years. We're going to do this at this time. La, 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 la. Um, life has another has another plan. And I think flexibility, adaptability, and maybe paying attention to the signs. That's why you are who you are, Dr. Robin Downey. So fast forward. Yeah. In 1991, I bought the Windsor Veterinary Clinic. And it was in the 90s that I really became an activist in this area of pain management. And it was all around the time that Pfizer Animal Health introduced carprofen brand name Rimadil into oh, the market Rimadil, the yeah. very first non-steroidal anti-inflammatory drug for dogs in our world here in the United States in veterinary medicine. And it was really all of that understanding that 20% of dogs and cats across all ages suffer from the pain associated with osteoarthritis. What an eye-opening wow. statistic that was. And when I think about from the mid-90s until now, how pain management has evolved and our understanding of the fact that we need to look for it so we can find it. And then when we manage it, we can't manage it with a single tool. We have to use multiple tools that address that pain from different perspectives. That's called multimodal pain management. And we now know that that really needs to be our fundamental approach. And so pet owners, dog owners need to not be freaked out when they hear the veterinarians say, we need to do A, B, C, and D in order to help your dog or your cat who is experiencing pain. They need to not perceive that as, well, I'm going to be over-medicating my dog. No, 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 far from it. We know that pain is a very complex process and we have to put that pain patient at the center of the caregiving circle. And each one of our tools is like the spokes on that wheel that helps that pet really achieve its highest level of comfort and more importantly, its best level of function. And then finally, it adds years to their lives and life to their years. Well, let's, I know pain is a four letter word that we think of other things that also have four letters in it. How would you best define pain in a dog? So 
it's it's very interesting to think about the physiology of pain, which is the nervous system piece. So we have an adverse input from an area of the body that's painful. So we, we have this afferent going to the spinal cord barrage right. of signals. That's the physiology of pain. But then we have the suffering dimension of pain. And that's where the ethics of pain management come in, not just the physiology of pain management. So we have an ethical imperative to understand that animals have an emotional response to this, these adverse signals, and it alters their mentation, it mm-hmm. alters their emotion, and it alters all of their functions of life. And we think about, it's, it's uh, deceiving to think about pain as just a physiologic experience. I like we that. Re- yeah. We really need to broaden our perspective and understand that it has an emotional dimension. That's the suffering aspect, but it also has an intellectual component. And where that becomes important, Arden, is understanding that dogs learn that when humans touch them, it hurts. Yeah. And we can end up with a dog who, and I know that Dr. Prim is going to talk about this, will escalate into fear, fear, anxiety, and stress that can translate to aggression just because they know if a human touches them, they will hurt. And so they're going to bite first and ask questions later. (laughs) I have to tell you about Well, hang on a second, because we do have to take a quick break. Oh, my gosh. I know. It goes by fast. Hey, everybody. We're speaking with Dr. Robin Downing, and uh, she is painlessly talking to us about pain. We're going to be right back after this break. Sit and stay. Got dog? Got cat? One of the best ways to show your pet how much you love them is to take a pet first aid class. Arden Moore is a master certified pet first aid CPR instructor and founder of Pet First Aid for You. These classes are fun and practical and feature pet safety dog Kona and cat Casey. Yes, a real dog and cat teaching duo. Very cool! All classes are veterinarian approved and are available in person or via Zoom. Ready to sign up for a class? Sorry, it's it's just for people. Our website is fourleggedlife.com. That's fourleggedlife.com. Welcome back to Arden Moore's Four-Legged Life Show. We're here with Dr. Robin Downing, and we're diving deep into pain. So I'm laughing because she said, uh, what is it? What was your saying about bite more, bark less? I'm laughing because... I'm actually drinking coffee today from a mug that says wag more, bark less. So I'm the opposite of the pain spectrum, but please continue. Okay. Let me tell you a quick, a quick anecdote about a dog. Bite first, ask questions later. That's it. I'm, I'm painful. I know that humans touching me hurt. I don't want humans touching me. Ergo, I will bite first, ask questions later. I met a dog named Diesel. Diesel came to me with extensive skin infections, skin disease, He's a mastiff mix and he had these skin folds that were infected Aww. and he had osteoarthritis, both elbows, both hips, both knees and profound back pain and all over his medical record. He's a bad actor. He needs to be muzzled. His owners were like, he's a bad actor. He needs to be muzzled. He's never liked the better in there. So first thing we did was understand that he was escalating into fear, anxiety and stress. And so we aborted his first visit. We provided him with a pre-visit pharmaceutical to help him not 
escalate to right. stay kind of in the mellow. thinking part of his brain. Yeah. I was able to assess him, understand how painful he was, mm-hmm. understand that he had some metabolic conditions that had never been addressed. Within four weeks, he, he was a dog transformed. Uh-huh. And what made me sad is that when I met with them four weeks later and they could see the dramatic change, he wasn't where he needed yeah. to be, but dramatic change. They wept in the exam room. They said, how did we miss this? How did we not know that for seven years our dog was suffering? Oh, my gosh. Diesel. And this is where we as veterinarians, we have a special obligation to really look for pain and discomfort so that we can help partner with our clients, partner with dog owners who love their dogs. They're a beloved animal family member to help those dogs be the best that they can be. Hey, Dr. Robin, it brings me to ask you to talk about what you call the three R's, recheck, reassess, and revise. Hey, I did my homework on you. Yes, you did. So one of the things that we know about pain is that it's not one thing. We know that we can't treat it with one treatment, monotherapy. We have to use multimodal therapy. The other thing, though, that we have to understand is that most of our patients who have pain over a longer period. So I'm not talking about the dog that comes in. To well, be chronic neutered. and acute, right? Right, exactly. So the dog that comes in to be neutered, they're going to have a painful period right after surgery. We have ways to address that. And then it's done, bada bing, bada bing. But the chronic. <laughs> Wait, I like patient, this. This very scholarly veterinarian just went Tony Soprano bing, here. <laughs> exactly. But chronically painful patients, they are a shifting landscape. And what that means is that we and our dog owners have to be in partnership to understand that that dog is going to change over time. And what that means is that we need to recheck that pet on a regular basis because their pain experience will change over time. And our need for medication and our dosing for medications will change. So when I talk about recheck, reassess and revise. What I mean is when that dog is there in front of me, we make a plan and then we're going to work that plan. But we have to understand that the plan is working. So before that patient leaves my office, that dog's owner is making that next appointment for that reassessment. And at the reassessment, that's the time for us to revise our treatment if we need to. Sometimes what we're doing is decreasing our use of one medication. We might be increasing our use of a different medication. It may be time for us to initiate physical therapy, for instance. It may be time for us to initiate some home therapy. I assign a lot of therapeutic exercise for people to do at home because so much of really what makes a difference is what happens at home in between those visits when we do our recheck our reassessment, and we revise. The so let's, let's our pet parents help our pets and veterinarians like you. We've got a couple minutes left. What are some things that they should be looking for, being like a pet detective, looking, listening, smelling, safely touching, that could be passed on to you and other veterinarians to really zone in on that pain management? So the most important thing that I try to communicate with our clients that they need to be vigilant about are any changes in the dog's behavior. Behavior 
changes are critical. So the dog has certain routine. They do certain things at certain times. We see changes. So for instance, some of the cues that I listen for will be things like, you know, my dog used to eat really robustly and now he's a little bit off his game. Like sometimes he'll miss a meal. Hmm. Um, my dog used to run up the stairs to um, <laughs> beat me to the bedroom. And now I have to actually remind him that we're going to bed. Um, my dog used to love to ride in the car. And now he's not so happy about getting in the vehicle. We used to walk three miles and now we get about a mile and he's really lagging behind. Okay. Um, maybe really These are good clues. Thing. Yes. Exactly. Yes. So people think that my dog is painful. He's going to cry out. That rarely happens. People think if my dog is painful, he's going to limp. If I don't see him limping, he's not painful. That's not true. And another clue that is often overlooked is when a dog begins to object to being touched in certain parts of its body. My dog used to enjoy my brushing him. He doesn't like that anymore. I think he's just getting old. That no. is not true. Okay, that is I just love this. not true. Hey, so, um, we're, sp- we're speaking with Dr. Robin Downing. I wish I could talk to her 24-7 because my brain is all my nerve synapses are, yay, celebrate. Um, we can find out more about the work of Dr. Robin Downing by going to downingcenter.com. Is there any other place you want to steer our listeners to? I do. The International Veterinary Academy of Pain Management, I-V-A-P-M. The International Veterinary Academy of Pain Management does have some pet owner-facing materials Excellent. Excellent. that can really help pet owners, dog owners and cat owners, better understand some of the issues around pain and pain management and help pet owners find practitioners who are engaged and involved with the IVAPM, IVAPM.org. Excellent. Hey, everybody, stick around. We're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we're going to speak to Dr. Kat Prim. Her name is Kat, K-A-T, and I'm not kidding. Uh, And she's going to get into uh, a little bit about fear-free and how to deal with stress and anxiety. So sit and stay. We'll be right back. You need even more Arden Moore? We're online at fourleggedlife.com. Hey, welcome back. There, there, now settle down. This is Arden Moore's Four Legged Life. Welcome back to Arden Moore's Four-Legged Life Show. Hey, our next guest knows how to help dogs and cats shake off and be able to ah, relax. She is the owner and chief veterinarian at Applebrook Animal Hospital in a very hard-to-pronounce town in Tennessee. She is also the nation's first fear-free certified professional, and she's a one great friend. Please give pause and applause to the remarkable Dr. Catherine Prim. I am so jazzed you're on the show, Dr. Kat. Hey, I'm, I'm just so excited that you invited me because oh, I no. love talking to you. It's so much fun. Well, you've got my Pets and Arts Den all tuned in. We got Pet Safety Cat, Casey. 
and sleeping wakey wakey Kona and Casey because this show also airs on the internet hey in the first half of our show we were talking with Dr. Robin Downing about pain and we want to talk to you Dr. Kat about what's going on with two things that we can have a role in helping and that's stress and anxiety in our pets you know tell us first what the heck fear free is because people need to know well um Fear Free is kind of an initiative that has sort of taken the country by storm um, to try and make sure that veterinary hospitals are not a source of fear. Because, you know, I I make jokes when I speak about Fear Free, but when I was a little girl and I played with Barbie dolls and I pretended that my Barbie doll was a veterinarian. and um, (laughs) Of course you did. (laughs) Of course I did. At At no point did ever Barbie's patients hide from her. Oh, or not want to see her. Like in my fantasy, I never imagined that pets would not love me and that I would not be the the best thing they had ever, you know, their best friend. And um, so when I got into practice and, and that started to happen and I was like, you know what, I'm, I'm doing things to these pets that they're afraid of. And so when I came across the fear free story, um, and met Marty Becker and all of those things. And that's another story. We, if we have time, we can oh, get yeah, into that. But definitely. Um, I realized I have control over this. And yeah. so, um, you know, the other day I saw a new little puppy and um, I saw some signals of, of anxiety. The puppy was only about seven weeks old. But so I did everything wow. in my toolbox, you know, to try to make the visit better. And um, it just so happened when I went I walked outside after that appointment to go to my kennel, which is another building. And the little puppy was there. The owner was letting the little puppy sniff around in the grass. The puppy saw me and her face lit up and she (gasps) ran to me. And I was like, oh, my gosh, this is it. You are a rock star. I was so thrilled by that. So, well, let's talk about that puppy example, because that's a, a good one. When people hear about fear free I know it's supposed to be about FAS, fear, anxiety, and stress, and try to relieve that. This is a very young puppy who is seven weeks old. And what is the fun name uh, uh, of the town in which the Applewood Animal Hospital is in Tennessee that I always mispronounce? Uh, Applebrook is located in Ultwa, Tennessee, which is just north of Chattanooga, which is easier to say. And it's uh, Havana White Delight. It's O-O-L-T-E-W-A-H. So we have four vowels. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) So what specifically were some things you did that might help our our, our audience about what you did with that little seven-week-old puppy to make them say, hey, there's Dr. Cat. I love that lady. Just met her. She's awesome. Well, I, um, I utilized pheromones on my clothes and in my um, exam area. And of course, my assistant pheromones are chemical messages that pets send to one another. And um, the dog one that I use is one that has been simulated to mimic uh, the hormone that the mother dog releases near her mammary glands when oh. the puppies are nursing. So it makes puppies feel safe and comfortable, like familiar. So I started with that. I carry a basket. Um, everybody teases me about my little red riding hood basket. I don't have my basket here because it's oh, at okay. work, but um, <laughs> it, it's full of different treats. And um, 
Fear Free calls it the treat ladder. So there's, you know, things like squeeze cheese and pepperoni treats and um, I'm hungry. Okay. Yeah. (laughs) See, and so was that puppy. So the first thing I tried for the puppy, the puppy wasn't interested in. And the second thing I tried, she was. And so then after she felt comfortable eating the first, the second thing, she went back for the first one. So, you know, as her comfort level got more and more um, just raised and we recognized her her approval of us, I guess. Um, then we moved forward with things and we were able to distract her from the scary things. So you were doing what kind of an exam on, on this cute? It was a type? first puppy. It was just a first puppy visit. And what does that entail? Is that included in a vaccination? Um, in this case, I don't, maybe one, yeah. but um, of course the stethoscope is a little frightening. Pets do not like for, for me to have something in my hands. That okay. is That is something that I've just noticed that the stethoscope is frightening. So my assistant can do the treats and I can kind of sneak in with the stethoscope and, you know, just keep, t- and they don't ever know because it doesn't hurt. Why do they, right. you know, I make sure I warm it up, but um, having something in my hands, having the stethoscope around my neck is a big no, no. I've learned that oh, the pet power from me when I have that. So yeah. And so, hey, everyone, we're talking to Dr. Catherine Prim. She operates the Apple Brook Animal Hospital, and she has also got the distinction of being the first certified professional in Fear Free. And then you just got another title, right? Is Guinness knocking on your door? Um, <laughs> you got some other hyped up thing. In addition to being the first, you got some other certified with them. Oh, my remember? whole practice is certified now. Okay. There you go. Yes. Okay. Yes. That's, that's awesome. So fearfree.com is it fearfreepets.com. You just said some things that I think we don't even realize First, you're getting the nose to feel, ah, with these canine pheromones. You can name the product if you want. I don't care. But you spray it or there's a diffuser, right? right? But you're also paying attention to what you're wearing and maybe what you say and how the art of distraction. I like that. Can you expand a little bit on that? Yes. Yeah, so um, that's huge. I can I couldn't do the fear-free thing without distraction. So, you know, and I don't know how much of a role it plays for human beings because okay. we're so smart. I don't know if you could distract us from a needle stick, but I can usually distract a puppy or a kitten from a needle stick. Okay. And they, it just depends. You have to have a, a high value treat, right? So yeah. something that's worth it. And I tell the client as I'm doing my exam, you know what? He's not going to feel this. She's not going to notice this. If I do everything right, it's going to be nothing but good for this visit. So they're kind of on board with me, which which is awesome too. So you also maybe have the vet tech or assistant touch a part of the dog while you're putting or the cat, the injection site. So can, because I I want people to know that's kind of a game changer because, you know, it isn't just one point of contact, right? Right. And so um, in the olden days, which I'm now old enough to kind of veterinary medicine, um, always the pets were restrained oh. for things. And um, we know now that animals resent restraint because it makes them feel very vulnerable, like they're going to be attacked. Good and point. it also signals to them. And we, and we can talk a little bit more about all the things we signal to our pets with our body language, but it also signals to them, hey, something bad is about to happen. So we at Applebrook do not restrain pets. We support 
support pets because I need the puppy to not be a moving target while I'm trying to give it a vaccine. <laughs> but also if you hold that puppy down, it's just instinct to fight that. Oh so, my gosh, um, absolutely. I am just so grateful that there is the fear free pet movement now and you're on board. And everyone, we are speaking with Dr. Catherine Prim. She's at Applebrook Animal Hospital in Tennessee. And we're going to talk more with her after the break on some signal miscues that we may give that we can avoid and keep our pets, dogs and cats, feeling happy and confident. So you all know the drill. Sit and stay. We'll be right back. This is Arden Moore's Four-Legged Life. Have you missed any of today's episode? Well, stop chasing your tail. We post past episodes and full-length video versions of our guest interviews on our website, fourleggedlife.com. That's fourleggedlife.com. This is Arden Moore's Four-Legged Life. Hey, we're back to Arden Moore's Four-Legged Life show. We're chatting with Dr. Catherine Prim, who is best known as Cat, Dr. Cat. I love that, with a K. And I would be remiss if I also don't uh, mention, in addition to running a very successful animal practice and being one of being the very first veterinarian in the world to be certified in fear-free pets, she is also a host of not one, but two very great podcast shows on Pet Life Radio. And I have the show Oh Behave on that network, but Dr. Cat. Why don't you tell everybody the name, the names of your two shows on Pet Life Radio? My show is Nine Lives with Dr. Cat. So I guess if you've really thought about it, you might come up with that. Um, and the other one is Dr. Cat Gone to the Dogs. I like it. You've been doing that for a number of years. What do you enjoy uh, most about being behind a microphone instead of wearing a stethoscope? Oh, gosh, I think it's that I reach so many more and different people. I get a lot of emails from people in other countries asking me things. Um, and that's just, oh, that's uh, that's just cool. an opportunity to, to impact this whole industry, I think. Now, we started to talk a little bit about some uh-ohs that we want to avoid. So you talked about that pets don't like to be restrained. I, I really love that. My veterinarian in Dallas is also fear-free, and she gets on the floor with some of the dogs and the kitties have real comfortable things. What's going on with the stainless steel table? Let's talk with that first. Um, I donated my um, hydraulic lift table. Okay. Because it was horrifying because not only was it cold and stainless steel, but it made a noise when it oh. lifted. So um, I donated it and it's gone. I have uh, tables that fold down from the wall. Oh, okay. Because there are some pets that really do better. Now we always put, a soft, warm mat or whatever, but there are some pets that, that are used to being handled in that way and would prefer it. And you just have to pay attention to the pet and to the owner. Oh. Ask questions. Uh, the owner knows you. I mean, you know, your pet better than I do for sure. So. So I like this table that comes off the wall, but you probably also do some things right on the floor, right? Uh, most things that really? the table doesn't come down very much. I so have, I'm, um, I'm going to give you two scenarios. I had okay. a 90-pound Bernese Mountain Dog named Bujo. She's up in heaven now. That was terrified of going to the vet clinic. And you don't want a 90-pound Bernese Mountain Dog drooling, defecating, and all that. 
but know. thanks to Fear Free was totally cool. And then I have a 17 year old black cat named Mikey who would do the same and now sleeps in her carrier in his carrier and purrs during the exam. So I guess the point is people like you can help us make sure that the vet clinic is not a source of terror, right? Absolutely. I actually get a lot of clients from kind of a far distance because oh. of my fear free. Um, and these are pets that have been traumatized, you know, not really anybody's fault, right? Just, just handled wrong. A lot of them maybe over nail trims. That's the number one thing. Oh. Uh, they went to a, a big box store that the, the People there are on a time crunch and they just grab the dog or the cat and they hold it down. And that creates lifetime bad memories that I have to deal with. And in those cases, I many times have to include pharmaceuticals okay. um, to, to help overcome because fear is never forgotten. You know, that's, that's a really that's good point. Yeah. And I know I'm not a chemist, I'm not a pharmacist, but there's a is one that seems to be a game changer. Is it gabapentin? Yes. Well, gabapentin is a game changer for cats in, and, in my practice. And why is that? Um, gabapentin creates a sense of well-being in the brain chemistry of the cat. Oh. So um, it's not like a sedative. People push back and say, oh, I don't want to sedate her. It's not a sedative, but you can create positive associations. Mm -hmm. I even had a cat that really didn't like to go to work with me. And with gabapentin, he became the most popular patient in my private. Everybody would be like, why don't you bring Scamper in today? I mean, you know, he <laughs> um, and it was because the gabapentin created a positive association with his cat carrier, with being in the nice. car you know, all of those things. And he would purr and put his paws through the bars. I think the, the world could use a little dose of gab. <laughs> I agree. I agree. Can and it's I not long-term, isn't it? it? It's, it, it's, it is for a finite time. Correct. Correct. What about for dogs? What would be something to give them a chill factor, chill canines? Um, I use a lot of trazodone. However, and for all the people watching and listening to this, it is a cocktail um, that is specific to your pet. So talk oh. with your veterinarian because there are tons of options. We have tons of safe, effective options, but each one may not work for your pet. I or like that. you may need a combination. I mean, you know, it, it's something that you should work with your veterinarian to figure out. But the bottom line is 21st century pets now, thanks to folks like you, may not be so afraid of going to the vet. Absolutely. Because you already started that seven-week-old puppy. She's off on, on the right paw, right? Yes. Little Diamond. <laughs> she Her name is Diamond. Oh, so of course. <laughs> she's, she's a little diamond in the rough. But yes, I am. And her owner was very thrilled. He drove. He said he drove a long way. <laughs> Dr. Cat, I understand you have a motto at the um, Applewood Animal Hospital. What is it? It is where state of art meets state of heart. And what does that mean? Um, that means we still have all the technological advances and we still use the, the highest quality vaccinations. We still have radiology. We still do dentistry, but we care how that seems to your pet. So we have policies in place that ensure the pet is comfortable. And what kind of pets do you have? Um, I have a dog right now. Um, my cat scamper that I was telling you about um, passed away unexpectedly. And so um, you know, I think that as a veterinarian, pets come, the right pet just comes. So I'm not going to force finding a, a cat to love because I think that the right cat will find me. Someone will yeah. come in or yep. 
I, that's just how it has always worked for me. But you, your dog's name Sky, right? Yes, yeah, Sky. I remembered. <laughs> What's Sky like? Sky is a standard poodle that I rescued from a very um, bad situation. A friend of mine found her on like Craigslist or somewhere, and uh-huh. she said, "Cat, you've." you've got to take this dog. And so we drove to a city. Um, she drove to a city about 45 minutes away and picked up this dog. And, and, um, I've had her ever since I've had her for about eight years. Oh, nice. Now we we've given some tips about inside the vet clinic. We've got a couple minutes left. What are some things that people can do with their dogs and cats to help reduce fear and anxiety? We're in the summer there's fireworks, there's people traveling. What would be a couple of good tips you could give our, our folks? Um, gosh, there are so many things. And talking to your veterinarian is, is yes. the way to tailor it to your pet. But um, never forget the positive impact on the brain chemistry from exercise. Oh, so um, if you can play with your pet exercise each day, because cats, cats and dogs both love a routine. If you can make that a priority, a part of your day each day, it's good for you and it's good for your pet. That, that would it. probably be the biggest one. And what about the 4th of July? What any tips to help uh, our pets that really don't like the boom and the bang? Um same thing, kind of, I guess, talk to your veterinarian because you may need some pharmaceutical intervention. But if you can muffle the sound, um, I even have some of my clients that put cotton balls in their dog's ears, play soft music or Good. white noise, um, white noise on like on an iPad or something like that. The sound of a fan, a safe place. And I think most importantly, your body language can trigger the pet that there is a reason to be afraid. So maybe don't you start looking out the window and going, okay, do you think, do you think it's time? Is it getting dark? You know, try to calm yourself as well. And don't apologize. Right. And and don't apologize. Hey, we're speaking with Dr. Um, Catherine Prim. I want you to check out applebrookanimal.com. She is an amazing gal. She's one of the leaders in the fear-free movement that reduces fear, anxiety, and stress in our dogs and our cats and any any I'm just jazzed that you could be on our show today Dr. Cat. Thank you so much for inviting me. I'm thrilled to be here. <laughs> hey, that's it for our show today. I want to thank our wonderful sponsor Tevra. They make great pet products. I also want to thank all you pet pals for tuning in and of course all the stations airing our show coast to coast. So until next time, this is Arden Moore saying to all you two, three, and four-leggers out there, pause up. Thanks for listening to this episode of Arden Moore's Four-Legged Life. For more information about the host, to listen to past programs, and watch full-length video versions of our guest interviews, our website is fourleggedlife.com. That's fourleggedlife.com. And have a pawsome week. 